Welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Mays, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Taylor Strait, and we'll be answering your questions on fly fishing costs and Santa Fe. This show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Taylor a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Just fill in your name and email address in the form on the right side of one of our web pages, and we'll let you know when the next live show will be. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. You can also find it on any of the podcast distribution sites like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. So if you have to leave early, you can return to our website or any of the podcast platforms at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. If you're out and about on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we'd sure appreciate it if you'd share our podcasts. And when you do, use the hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing and also hashtag FlyFishing. In fact, if you got a moment, do it right now and let other people know about the great show that we're having tonight. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group Inc. Doing businesses ask about fly fishing. When we return, we'll be talking with Taylor about fly fishing, Tahos, and Santa Fe. The Colorado River at Lee's Ferry is called by some the world's largest spring creek. It's a massive clear-running tailwater fishery that runs 15.5 miles from the base of the Glen Canyon Dam to the upper reaches of the Grand Canyon. At times, it gives the impression of being not one or two, but a series of parallel Spring Creek-like waterways. The fishing is great and the scenery is gorgeous. Lee's Ferry Anglers provides professional guide service to this outstanding rainbow trout fishery, as well as food and lodging at Cliff Dwellers Restaurant and Lodge. See for yourself why Lee's Ferry is on every fly fisher's must-do list. Visit leesferryanglers.com or call them at 800-962-9755. That's leesferryanglers.com or call them at 800-962-9755. Before I introduce Taylor, we'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. For a drive tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Taylor's section that says register for our free drawing. Click on that link and fill out the form and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away copies of Taylor's books, Fly Fishing Palace in Santa Fe, and also his other book, Instinctive Fly Fishing, courtesy of Taylor. It's great. Here's how you can win. We'll have like a first and a second place winner tonight, which will be fun. Here's how you can win. You must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show. The question is going to be about something that Taylor and I talk about during the show, and just submit your answer along with your name and location in the text box on our homepage. It's the same place that you can ask questions during the show. Listen closely, take notes, type fast, and maybe you'll win one of Taylor's books, Fly Fish Taos in Santa Fe and Instinctive Fly Fishing. Our guest tonight is Taylor Strait. Taylor has been, was wading the fabled waters of the New York's Catskills before he was 10, then tying flies commercially and guiding in his team. He moved to northern New Mexico in the late 60s, 
where after several minor career and lifestyles, careers and lifestyles, he opened up the Taos Fly Shop. He's guided fly fishermen for 40 years, primarily in New Mexico, but in the Bahamas and Argentina as well. Guiding is what has paid the bills for him, and there's been no trust fund or endorsements. If the clients don't catch, we don't eat, says Taylor. In 2001, he was unanimously inducted into the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame as a legendary guide. He's authored five books, Fly Fishing New Mexico, Man vs. Fish, The Fly Fisherman's Eternal Struggle, Instinctive Fly Fishing 1 and 2, and Fly Fish Taos, Santa Fe, New Mexico. He holds fly fishing schools annually and writes and photographs for various magazines and newspapers. He has developed a number of fly patterns, including the mighty Poundmeister. He has retired from the fly shop and guide business and lives in southern New Mexico and now spends his time fishing and writing. Taylor, welcome back to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Hey, I made it. You made it. Yeah, yeah. Taylor's having a little problems there. Been connected, but we're all good now. No worries. No worries at all. And I was just checking on that. It's been when I last interviewed you, it was when you were publishing your book, Instinctive Fly Fishing. And really? that was, let's see. 20 years ago. 20. Well, maybe you hadn't just, but hey, I've been doing the show for 16 years. Well, 2012. 2012. So. Yeah, that was. December. The book first came out in 2002 and hardcover. And then they asked me to do a paperback in that yeah. year, 15 or 16. And so I spent a year writing that, and then it came out in paperback. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a while. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's been a yeah. while. Well, good, good to have uh, you back. And, yeah, you just published a new book, Fly Fish Tiles, Santa Fe, New Mexico. And that's the area right. we're going to be talking about tonight. But why don't you guess the book came out, what, 2000? The new book came out two years ago. Well, not quite yeah. two years ago, a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So tell us about the book, why you wrote it, and what the book's all about, because we'll be referring to it throughout the show tonight, I'm sure. So right. why don't you just give right. people a picture of what that book's about? Yeah, and it's like my instinctive book. We've done, my son and I, Nick, and the guides have done a, a lot of schools, and we usually do them in the spring. And a lot of times I would be trying to explain something, and then I would grab my book because that's where I explained everything. And that's the way the Fly Fish Tile Santa Fe is that, and you mentioned how did that happen, and it happened kind of like a falling off a log, like it's something I should do because I had a very successful run with the other guidebook, Fly Fish New Mexico. And so I just started in on it, and it really, <laughs> I was a prisoner to it for quite a few years, and but I got it all in there. And I did it myself. For, I always like to say this in an interview, because for any prospective writers who want to publish a book, it was an interesting way that I did it, because I knew that it would sell because I'd sold the other guidebook pretty well. And we have two fly shops, right? There's not only Charles Fly Shop, but there's my son and Ivan Valdez have the real life in Santa Fe. And so I knew having those two platforms, it would do pretty well. So I had it printed myself and hired the people to do the maps. Pete Chadwell did the maps. 
in the design and layout and editing and all that. So it was all my baby. It wasn't like going through Amazon or something. So I don't have any dealings with Jeff. And, and that's fine. I don't cover as much as much ground as Amazon does, but that there's some advantages to the way I've done it because it's a relatively small market. It's really not just Charles and Santa Fe. We ran out of titles because there's about five books that are fly fishing to Mexico, fly fishing, blah, blah, blah. Well, I thought the one thing that's central to it and where most people are fishing out of is Taos and Santa Fe. And that's where the water's out of, especially Taos, really. And yeah, if yeah. that explains it, yeah. Yeah, so it's truly a, a guidebook to those waters, though, with the maps and descriptions of the waters and so forth. You'd have to throw this in the front seat of your car and take it with you if you went down there. Uh, it weighs you know, a pound. Uh, you, can't really take it, you can't really take <laughs> it with you fishing because it weighs a pound. So. Yeah, I said on the front seat of your car. <laughs> That's what it that yeah, 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 it's, it's yeah. Got 150 color photos. A lot of them are my yeah. son's mixed photos, but yeah. And I tried yeah. to use photos. Yeah. It's not my first rodeo with guidebooks. So I used photos that were not necessarily the best photo or the biggest fish, but that were indicative of the place, what mm-hmm. it really looked like. So that was yeah. my main motivation. And when, and I tell stories in there, and hopefully the stories help say something about the particular water. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, great book, great maps, and definitely a guide you should get if you're going down there. Well, I teased people in the little snippet about the show that we would talk about a little bit about how the fires have affected northern New Mexico and also the New Mexico Supreme Court decision. So let's start out with those. Oh, yeah. And then we'll, we'll get through that yeah. so people know what the right. lay of the land is, and then we'll dig into the some of the okay. main rivers, your favorites, right. the Rio Grande, the Red River, the Castilla. Yeah and so forth. So in Ohio started out with this. And so my biggest question right now, are there any areas or streams that are still closed due to the fires? I will be visiting Taos the week of July 11th and would like to fish a couple of the streams outside Taos and north of Taos to be specific, the Rio Honda, Cimarron, and especially Rio Castilla in the Valle Vidal. Right. So anyway, that's a yeah. good segue into what no, that's... happened with the fires. Yeah, yeah. No, I got to look at the questions, and they're a good question. And the Carson National Forest is still closed on the Camino Real District, which is south of Taos, and it is the streams of the Pot Creek area, Rito de la Hoya, and Santa Barbara, and what else? The Rio Pueblo. And the fire, however, just really, we were really lucky in that the fire just touched on the southern edge of maybe 500, uh, maybe 1,000 acres, I don't know, but up the Rio Pueblo. And because you don't want fire black water in, in your trout stream because it's not good for it. And so basically, the entire Taos has been a massive drainage that runs into Colorado. And the fire didn't get in there except for that one little bit way to the south. So the streams that he mentioned are open. Okay. The Castilla, the Castilla is not, but that is a different story. That is okay. the Castilla. The Castilla is a part of the main part of the largest native trout project in the world. 
which is about it's over a hundred miles of streams, some of them just a foot wide. But so to this has been going on for some time. And to do it correctly, all of the hybrids and my argument was somewhat we don't usually know that the the cutthroat we're catching is a hybrid and we'd be pretty happy with them a lot of this is done for endangered species law supposedly so that severe actions wouldn't be taken but it's under pretty severe action now because it's closed and it's been closed for two or three years and the last thing i saw from the mexico game and fish is that it will be closed for yet another year. And it was supposed to be done, I think, like for this year or maybe even last year. But I think they're having a hard time with it. It's not easy to do. It's very difficult to extract all those fish, even with chemicals, which is what they're doing. And uh, Let's hold those thoughts because we'll come back and talk about Castilla Creek specifically anyway as a fishery. But the home set will uh-huh. be opening up soon. Let's hold the rest of that conversation. Okay. And we'll come back to that in a minute. So, uh-huh. but everything basically north of Taos is what you're saying is open? Is that, yeah. And the fire, uh, there's no as fire. As far as the, or the fire, yeah. No, no, nothing. Okay. And, and that's so, a case of the Rio Grande is that the Rio Grande from even below Taos, all the way into Colorado, there's no fuel. There's sagebrush, there's rock, there's some cedar trees, but there's really no fuel. And so no fire. And so it's in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I understand it. I've been spending this week limbing the trees on my property up here and clearing oh, the right. deadwood and stuff and trying to make my property around my house as fire-friendly, or not friendly, <laughs> resistant as possible. Right. Like right. you say, no fuel, hopefully no fire. Right. Yeah, I hear that loud and clear. So for Dave Hudak in Ohio, it doesn't look like he'll be able to fish the Costilla, but now he also mentioned the Cimarron and, and Rio Hondo. So are those open? Right, right. Well, I should mention okay. that there is a section of the Costilla about 10 miles, uh, maybe less, that can be fished. Although, oh, okay. Although at the present time, the stream is very low, and that's probably short-lived. It probably has to do with haying and rain. Sometimes if it rains a bunch, you think the water's going to be higher, but when you're in an irrigation, everything's irrigated in New Mexico. When it rains, sometimes the water gets lower because the fields that are being irrigated get wet from the rain, so they turn the irrigation off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, that's good news for towns like in general for northern New Mexico. 10 miles of Castillo fish. And the Cimarron, I just looked up the flow rates. That's the first thing we do, guides do, when you're wondering about a stream because the flow rate tells you a great deal about what's going on without having to look at it. And the flow rates, again, and that's the same situation. There's hay fields out there, and so the water's probably turned down for haying, and it probably rained out there, too. It's about 15 or 20 CFS, which is pretty low, but fishable. Cimarron's a good stream. Yeah, it's not a good idea on weekends necessarily, but because it's right on the road, right on the highway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So and, let's move. Oh, go ahead. And the other was the Red River. Is that what we were, where we were Oh, yeah, at? Rio Honda. Oh, Rio Honda. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the Rio Hondo, in the lower portion, again, irrigation is king in New Mexico. Water can only be used for beneficial use, and that does not include fish or living beings, <laughs> except humans. Anyway, so the Rio Hondo, below irrigation, which is at the mouth of where it comes out of the mountains, is probably not so good because it's been irrigated out and it's probably quite low. It might, it's still runoffy. It comes out of very high mountains, the highest mountains in the state where the Hondo comes out of. But the Hondo, as the weather gets warm and we get into summer, the upper Hondo up towards Towski Valley is an excellent choice because the water is very cold and it's a good dry fly stream and it's thick. So it, it can be hard to fish, but it's convenient. It's right on the highway. But So, yeah, in summer, hot weather, mid-afternoon, you catch fish. Okay, okay. So tell us about out west. This is always a issue, it seems like, in one way or another. But the public access to rivers and streams, fighting someone or somebody about that. So recently... Tell us about the New Mexico Supreme Court decision that has affected New Mexico. Yes, a massing just occurred several months ago where New Mexico Supreme Court unanimously came out to allow fishermen to fish up any stream. I don't think maybe it doesn't apply to Indian land and maybe there's some other things. And for our guiding business, we're being rather conservative about it and not really fishing some places to see what shakes down. But so far, there's no nothing on the news about gunfire or nobody seems to be (laughs) freaking out too bad. And I used to be in the fishing business in Argentina and I saw the same thing happen where the law was actually on the books but had been not observed. And and then a bunch of guides and fishermen got behind it, and like here in New Mexico now, and got all the water open. Now, we still don't know what the boundary is, whether it's the, whether you have to be in the water itself, whether it's the high water mark, or in Argentina, where it's, no matter who you, Depending on who you talk to, it's 10 or 20 meters from the water. It may turn out to be like that in New Mexico, where it's never actually decided. And uh, we don't know. But that would have to go to court or something, and particularly the one that's going to be getting, so getting involved with that. But, yeah. So basically they're saying if you can, through public access, exactly. get to a stream or river, right. Right. Then you can go up or down, wade, wade up right. or down and fish it, whether it's right. in the middle of right. private property or not. And it doesn't have right. to be navigable. It just has to no. be flowing water. It does not. It does not. And that's massive in New Mexico because they only have yeah. four navigable rivers or four. Yeah. And, and so that's, yeah, that's huge. So you could just go up a tiny creek as far as I can tell. And so many of the streams in New Mexico are inaccessible, like Argentina, because of distance, because you've got to get five miles up there or something. So that could, as an Argentina, it really, it kept a lot of water still quite lightly fished. So that's an issue, and I'm thinking of many places. But there's going to be 
certain in spots on the rivers. The Pecos, for instance, where it's uh, millionaire houses along the river and fences everywhere, and it's going to be a little odd there. The Chama is a very important fishery, and there's a lot of private on the Chama. And, but it probably the Chama won't get near the enthusiasm from the landowners that the Pecos will. I don't think so. What about uh, yeah. Turner's Ranch? Ted Turner's Ranch. Well, I know Turner's. <laughs> where I live in southern New Mexico, I have a Turner Ranch on either side of me. And then there is actually trout fishing on one of the streams. It's just a mile from my house, but it's up at the other end of the stream, 20 miles. So it's about a 15-mile walk up a dry stream bed to get to, <laughs> to, get to where, where there are actually supposedly cutthroats. Now, that may have been attacked in this last fire we just had, the Black Fire, which mm. was extremely massive and right just 20 miles from my house. Yeah, yeah. That's a really important decision because in Colorado we face the laws of if it has to be a navigable river, and if uh-huh. you go through private property, you can't anchor, you can't stop, you can't right. put a foot down, nothing. And that's the way it is in in Wyoming, too, whereas Montana, it's up to the high water mark you have access. But, yeah, that's very encouraging. So happy to hear that for you guys down there. That's great. I need to take a quick – go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's places – I can think of a handful of places that – I know one place where you have to drive 60 miles around to get on the other side of this one-mile private water, and now you could just walk up through there. Yeah. So there's – a lot of little secret places that are going to be fishable. Yeah. Okay, good. I need to take a quick break here, Taylor, and I'll be right back and we'll dig more into fly fishing in New Mexico. So hang tight. Be right back. Musky Town, so much more than a musky fly shop. Where you're a musky fly fishing guide, an experienced musky hunter, or just getting into predators on the fly, wherever life's adventures take you, Their proven lineup helps you be more successful on the water. They have rods, reels, lines, and flies for muskie, pike, and bass. Most of their flies are tied in-house, and they fish them at every possible opportunity, so they know what works, why it works, and exactly what you need to put big fish in the net. Sit back, relax, enjoy legendary fly shop service, and please let them know if there's anything they can help you with. Next time you think of muskie, go to Muskie Town. That's muskytown.com, or call them at 763-312-6012. That's muskytown.com, or call them at 763-312-6012. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We're talking with Taylor Strait about fly fishing, Taos, and Santa Fe. If you would like to ask Taylor a question, go to our homepage. Ask about flyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us a question, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Taylor, I always ask my guests, what's going on in your fly fishing world? Obviously, you've had a little breather after finishing this last book, but you told me you're retired, you're just writing. So what are you up to these days relating to fly fishing? Well, I went catfishing this morning. and catfishing? Okay. Yeah, one okay. of my guides... When my guides hear that I've been bait fishing, they cringe. But it's how you put meat on the table down this way. And I caught a freshwater drum, and which nobody knows what they are, and you have to look them up. But anyway, no catfish, but a freshwater drum. But yeah, I'm working on a book 
that would be memoir is a dirty word, apparently, unless, as one of my publishers says, unless you're a household name, and I don't quite make that. So I'm working on, I guess, what do we call it? My my life and certainly my fishing life a lot because it was classic starting fishing at Catskills in the Adirondacks as a child. And and then being in on really, and in quite a few places too, in, certainly in Argentina and when I worked in the Bahamas, also on the frontier of a lot of sport fishing in a lot of places, certainly in New Mexico. And so we used to, when I first moved to Taos, we I was writing this yesterday. We made flies out of pipe cleaners because you couldn't get any. If any of your listeners have ever been to Charles 50 years ago, it was like being in, I don't know, Tibet or somewhere. It was not America. <laughs> and there was no sto- no stores that sold fly time materials, so we used pipe cleaners to wrap the hook. And then chicken feathers from the rooster that she saw in somebody's yard and, and bought eight and then took the feathers. So I've had quite a span in that <laughs> in yeah, that world. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Well that sounds right. like fun. If yeah, if nothing else, it's it'll be a, an heirloom for your family. A legacy for your family to know what grandpa did. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Well, good. And but you still have a close association with the Taos fly shop, right? I mean that, you used to own oh, it yeah. and you sold it. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go up there in another week or two, and they sell a lot of my books, my pictures, all it, and they, I'm on the front of the brochure and all that stuff. And so I love going to see the guides, and uh, because most of the guides I brought on, and my son did too, but from our guide school that we do, we have 17 guides at last count, and I just talked with Evan, and he's one of our ace guides, and I got the current fishing info. So when we come around to that, I'll have the fresh scoop. But if people want to reach them, their website is taosflyshop.com, right? That's it. That's it. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So if you're looking for guides in the area, folks, so you might check flyshop.com out. It's, It's the business that Taylor started and continues to have an association with. Well, good. Good. In 1980. And of course, also, my son and Ivan Valdez have the real life in Santa Fe, and they do a lot of guiding out of there. And, uh, oh, okay. So, do you have a website address for that? I think that's it. The real life Santa Fe would certainly get you there, but I'm not okay. sure of the, but I think it's the real life.com. I'm not sure though. Yeah. So, Santa uh, uh, Fe. Let's just see. Real Life Santa Fe. Yeah, that'll get you there. Real, oh, R-E-L, yeah. And the website is therealife.com. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So there you go, go, folks. So another good place to... Yeah, uh, and it's good to to go in there to look at Ivan's trophies. He's killed a lot of big big elk and deer. Okay. Okay, good, good. All right, well, let's get back to what Tony in Taos, New Mexico says, how has fishing changed over the years in the area since you arrived? Environmental problems and challenges, drought and low levels, fishing pressure. What can you tell Tony? Well, unfortunately, I have I have a lot of words <laughs> for that. Like I was writing about the Hondo because I lived along the Hondo in 1969. And I wrote that, well, there was no fishing pressure. Well, there was a neighbor who fished. 
And that was it. That was, <laughs> it was him, the only other person I saw. And the stream, the there was more water in the stream. And it, it wasn't siphoned out for irrigation to the extent it is now. And the really depressing part is that, now it's not that bad. The upper portions are certainly not that bad. But at low elevations, and it's due to the warming in the lower water, is algae bloom. And it certainly doesn't destroy the fishery, but it's not healthy. And the other big environmental thing is the way that the weather changes. Like, for instance, where I live in southern New Mexico, it didn't rain for five months, maybe six months. And now it's rained every day for two weeks. So what you get with that, no matter what, kind of fishery it is because this is a warm water fishery but siltation still has the same negative effect and with the nature of the heavy rains that we get that's not a good thing it's really not affected the northern country that issue that much but i know somebody asked about the red river and it does have quite an impact on the red river Mm. and then of course that's the red river runs into the rio grande that does that too what were the other parts of that question? Well, environmental problems, challenges, drought, and low-level fishing, oh, fishing pressure. pressure. Just in, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's well, gone up everywhere, right? Well, well, it seems to be. We escaped it for a very long time, and then okay. uh, I must say that I have to blame myself in part for that. Yeah, uh, to blame yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And shows like uh, this, but, right? Yeah. But uh, so when I write a guidebook, which my second guidebook, I'm very careful of, about tiptoeing around waters that really can't handle the pressure. And then you have a, something like the Rio Grande, which is down in a six, 700-foot canyon that's all a jumble of rocks. And you can just say it's the greatest fishing in the world, which it just about is. And it doesn't matter that much because there's only so many people and so many clients. When we have guiding clients, a great number of them, if not most, want to fish in the canyon, but we've got to take a look at them. We've got to, you can't tell over the phone somebody's condition yeah. there because it's very rough. But having that, and there's other places that you've got to walk a long ways into in northern Mexico. So having that, you can certainly get away from it. And, okay. Yeah. You have to work at it, though, just like, yeah, in a lot of right. places. You have right. To work. Yeah. Yeah. So, Thomas the, uh, Faulkner, okay, did you no, have to say something ahead. else about that? Okay, well, Thomas Faulkner, I was gonna, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say something about the Rio Grande, which could carry on for a while, but because the Rio Grande, of course, is the main fishing out of Taos, it's only 10 miles away, and but 10 miles could be 1,000 miles because you can't get to it from there because it's sheer cliff and it's on Indian land. But then there's many miles of the canyon to fish, and there's some of it that you can fish on foot. I mean, from drive-by fishing, you can pull up to it and get out and fish yeah. in the lower parts of the river. Yeah. But as far as changes, since in the 50 years that I fished up there, the Rio Grande has actually gotten better. And it's probably due to how we're suffering from low water everywhere that's a plus for a narrow canyon rocky stream because it becomes more fishable but it also becomes more healthy because the fish aren't fighting the big current 
And what makes the Rio Grande so good is a condition that doesn't seem to change and is better the lower the water gets, which is a massive amount of spring water that comes into the river just north of Cuesta, about 30 miles, 20 and 30 miles north of Taos. And so all of that spring water, when the river's really low, it has a huge effect on the river. So you're fishing the water that's really clean, 56 degrees. It's, so it's probably made it better. Something else that has actually probably improved the fishing on the Rio Grande in the last few decades is otters. They've cleaned up a lot of the competition fish, carp, pike, and they've done some negative things too. But for the most part, for certainly for the Rio Grande, it's, it's got a lot of fish, a lot of trout. If we'll talk more about the Rio Grande in just a minute, I want to knock out a couple more questions before we dig into the fishery there. Okay. Thomas Faulkner in Roy City, Texas, he says, what would be the ideal location for lodging to fish New Mexico? Now, he left that pretty broad, but since we're talking about Taos and Santa Fe, or are there other places that are better to stay at if you're fishing in the northern part? Thomas. Chama, the town of Chama is a very good central location to fish because you can oh, fish a lot okay. of water in Colorado, the Conejos, in the upper Chama, and perhaps the Navajo off to the west, and the San Juan is an hour and a half from Chama. And then there's some smaller streams in the Tusas Mountains, which are in between Taos and Chama. So that's a choice. Taos has got 20,000 beds, and yeah. Red River is another fishing location. It's very hard to find anything on the water that doesn't very yeah. much exist. Over on the San Juan, the Soaring Eagle Lodge is a great choice. But, oh, yeah. uh, but around around Taos itself, it's mostly in town. And then when yeah. you're in town, from in Taos, you can go fishing in any direction except to the south because of the fire situation. But, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay, good. Lee Smith from Connecticut asks, what's the, tell, tell us the best time of year for dry fly action. Also, do you use dry dropper rigs? And if so, what flies? I'm sure that's um, going to be different for all the, the fisheries. But. Right. Sure. I would say, well, the best time to fish dry flies is right exactly now. And that would be, especially on the Conejos, we're doing a huge amount of guiding on the Conejos right now. And this is when, it's maybe on the downhill slides, but this is when the drakes, the green and gray drakes hatch and the stone flies. But yeah, it's coming downhill. But then there's some other dry fly situations that come up. A great dry fly fishing that is not that much known about because it happens at an odd time of day, which is like 8 a.m is the trico hatch on the Cimarron, and uh, that's a good fishery. But the smaller streams, the even the Costilla, which is small, but, but the really small streams in the mountains, one dry fly is the way to go. And if you walk in a ways, the fish will be dumb enough to come up and eat them. Okay. Now, you did mention the Conejos, but the Conejos is in southern Colorado, right? That's right. It, does mm-hmm. not, it doesn't come into but New Mexico. No, it's the Rio Grande, but it's pretty much irrigated yeah. out by the time it gets there. But it's only an hour yeah. and 15 minutes from Charles yeah. to, yeah. so we we guide it a lot. And uh, we usually, okay. not usually, we always fish on private water because it's impossible to get a permit to guide on, on Rio Grande National Forest. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, the Caneos is a very pretty area of fish, too. I found It's one of my favorite places to go. I always enjoy going there. There's a secret about the Caneos that if anybody's planning for next year and they want really good dry fly fishing for big fish, fish in the Caneos are pretty much 15 to 20 inches. And the secret is last week of June and up to like now and another week or so, and I don't know if anybody's like getting on a plane as we speak or fixing to, but um, but that particular fishing is just off the charts good because the fish haven't been caught. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in something like Canejos where the fish are all big means they're all old and us old animals get smart. We don't get much else, but we get smart. And they get caught once, maybe twice, and then they're hard to catch. If you catch them mm-hmm. early in the season on that river, you can do quite well. Yeah, and folks, that Canales is also included in Taylor's book. He's got the maps of that and everything in there, too. So he stretches it over, right. yeah, over the border there. But, yeah, excellent place to go fishing. Frank Garcia asks, he's from Santa Fe, you want to know what your concept was on developing the, what is it, the Poundmeister? Yeah, 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 and I recognize his name, and so I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. uh, and it's a story. It's a story because I was, I remember I was trying to come up the lower elevation waters, the Rio Pueblo down below Taos, the Rio Grande. The lower elevations have a lot of crane fly and a lot of crane fly larvae, and it's just the worm you've seen it an inch or two long, and so. I was trying to come up with a fly to imitate those. And so I would just tie a fly that looked like a worm with no hackle or nothing. And you see them. There are patterns like that. You drop it in the water and it goes down like a rock. It's just bleh. And I said it needed to have a ribbing of hackle so that it's suspended in the water like the natural kind of succulent crane fly larvae. It's not, it's kind of, it's buoyant. So to imitate that buoyance, I started putting hackle around it and it really worked. And as a lot of people know, that, that fly will catch fish in the bathtub. That's some fly. And, and the original had beaver fur on it, which is, is nice, but we found out it really wasn't necessary. And in fact, it's so good that a friend of mine, just one of them left and he said he just put it on a rock next to the stream and he picked up a stick. And when the fish climbed up out of the river to get at that fly, he just built them on the head. That's how good the... the <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. we're getting into pretty deep here now. <laughs> well, and this is how Cal's artist, yeah. Jim Wagner, who's died, and, he's passed yeah. on. But. And you tie that, I just went out to the to the uh, the Cal's fly shop site and found found the fly there. It looks like you tie that big, too. Six and eights huh, is what they're selling there. It, well, that's another great advantage of that fly. And something that you learn different things guiding than, I hate to use the word, but it's true, amateurs do. And you learn that if you can use a big fly, use it. And because then you can use a heavier tippet, then you can muscle the fish more, and the fish will see it from farther away. You'll see a big old poundmeister from 20 feet away, especially with that bees, the great big bees glistening in front of it. And it was a size 28 fly there. <laughs> they got to be a 
inch away from it to see it. Yeah, it's, there's another fly I wanted to mention. Is see, I have a number of patterns, but really just that one and one other I have that has implications for any fisherman that have had trouble with a dry fly with an extended body. I don't know if you've ever noticed, like, there's certain patterns that have extended bodies. And right. one of them, and the damselfly is often like that. And when you guide for a living for decades, you start adding up the numbers. And the numbers, when you're using a damselfly adult, the blue fly, with the extended body, is you lose a lot of fish. And the reason that you lose, once you study this for a long time, is the fish come up to eat the fly and they push it away. They hit that extended body and so then the fly just barely catches. So now this is all theory, folks, you know that, but that's what we do. And so what I did was I just turned the extended part around so it went over the eye. And and I make that damselfly out of either very thin fly line, like running line from a three-way or something, or also that braided background works too. And then you have a, a grizzly hackle on a post, so it's a parachute. But it's a, it, it solves, if you, any, anybody's ever had that problem with missing fish from an extended body fly, there's your solution. Turn it around. Anyway, I never got that. Which, what do you call that? Sale. Uh, I'll need to find my books to see. <laughs> fly line damsel. Fly line damsel. Fly line damsel. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, good to know. All right. Okay. So we're running short on time, and we haven't even got to the meat of the matter here. Let's. Uh, you've talked quite a bit about the video grand already. What I've got from what you've said is it's a diverse fishery from. Steep canyon walls, almost not accessible, but it does, it must have other areas that are fishable. So can you describe the different, and it's got, it goes for quite a few miles through <laughs> through New Mexico. So can you tell us about the fishable areas? The, uh, the Rio Grande? Hello? Can you describe that fishery in the different The sections? Rio Grande? The Rio Grande? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. the lower parts of the Rio Grande are accessible by car. And this surprisingly good, except the window of fishing is unusual. It's almost winter. It would be late October, November, and then again, maybe late February and March, when there would be a good BWO hatch, and in the fall, BWOs also. And even in the warm winters that we have, even in winter. And what I was describing before, the excellent quality of the Rio Grande now, probably, I forgot the most important part, which is that it's not winter anymore. There's not much for winter. And so the Uh-oh. water is yeah. warmer. And it's so the life in the river is active almost all year, right? That's certainly a huge factor. But anyway, getting back to the geography of it, the lower part of the Rio Grande below Taos along the highway, there's some rough water down there that gets fished surprisingly lightly. It's hard to find a place to park because it's right on the highway and the going is rather rough. And we do guide Evan Clausen and all and, oh, God, Two or three of the other guys have boats and float that lower section 
quite a bit, and okay. that's the one uh, area of... Section to, uh, is what? I'm sorry? Can you hear me? When you say yeah. lower section, are you talking like below with a pilar or... Yeah, boot, exactly. Boot exactly. Down in that area? Yeah. Okay. Below pilar, right. Now, okay. above pilar, there is a lot of relatively flat water with ripples, and it's important to fish the ripples there. And if you stay with the ripples, they can be quite good. But that timing is real important. That's pretty far down on the river. The elevation is considerably lower, and it's not the time to fish it probably now, but come October, it's a great choice. Yeah. Okay. And then what about further? What about going north? Further house? north, yeah. Right just at the upper end of that stretch, there's what's called the Taos Junction Bridge. And from there to Colorado, there's only one vehicle access, and that is the John Dunn Bridge at Arroyo Hondo, and, oh, wow. which is a good place to fish. But there's, I'm supposed to be the expert on that canyon and there's miles of it that i've never fished it's just really obscure it's out there and you kind of that's where the gorge is yeah it's indeed the gorge yeah and it's the real nasty part of the gorge is that lower section and uh, the box is called toss box and you get in there well there's not many ways to get in there we've you really don't want to recommend this but if you follow the bighorn tracks if you're real agile, <laughs> like a bighorn, you can get to the water. Yeah. But there's not really, there's no maintained trail in that whole area. So that's a consideration. The upper part of the Rio Grande around where it's called Wild Rivers, around where the Red River meets the Rio, is probably the best fishing on the Rio Grande is a lot of big wild rainbows, three, four pound rainbows. And there's a lot of spring water that comes in there. So they do quite well. It's very rough. And I guided it hundreds of times and never broke any bones miraculously. And then the river goes again, very wild from there north to Colorado. But it gets, it's a little, you're getting above the spring influence. So the trout numbers go down, but there's nobody fishes it, and there's quite a few rattlesnakes in there, and there's pike in there. I don't know if they survive the otters or not, but I saw a picture of somebody, 54-inch pike from in there. Oh, wow. Yeah, and pike fishing in parts of the Rio can be quite good. That's a winter or spring. And when you say winter or spring, you're talking from all the way from the Pilar area all the way up to the Colorado border? Would you consider a whole um, fishing fishery, a winter fishery, spring fishery? Well, or just the lower section. Well, certainly, yeah. The lower section is more likely to have the BWO is hatching in the winter, but any of it can fish pretty good. But once you get around where the Red River comes in, it's starting to get it gets too cold for very good winter fishery. But Okay. But that brings up the Red River, which I know there's a question about that. It's quite in depth. Yeah, yeah, and, that's uh, good. Right. And yeah, let's Red, talk about it, the Red River. Go ahead. Right. It's a major artery of the Rio. And I guess that it's probably, I think I looked at it 
a couple of days ago, 70 or 80 CFS, and the Rio is probably about 200 CFS. So it's quite a contribution to the Rio. And the lower three or four miles below the fish hatchery, and of course all this is in my book, but the lower three or four miles is in a rugged canyon. I've written quite a bit about it because it was influenced from a mine, a Mali mine, and, and it was an unbelievable fishery. Fifty years ago, it was off the charts, and it's still good, but it gets fished more now. I was asking Evan about that today, and he said the last time he was guiding down there, there was a lot of people around. But there's a fish hatchery right there, and it doesn't actually have much of a contribution, except, surprisingly, the springs and the nutrients and maybe trout food that come out of the hatchery into the Red River draw a lot of wild fish, even very big wild fish, to that area. And, of course, there's stockers from the hatchery that are put in there like anywhere else. It doesn't have, they don't have access back and forth from the hatchery into the river. But the Red's a great fishery, and it is a winter fishery. It's important to remember that because most of its flow, well, half of its flow anyway, is from the hatchery and springs around there. And so it's got the warm water. I had a client once, I'll never forget, because they caught 16 fish on dry flies, and it was 16 below zero. And we were just <laughs> fishing the spring, just fishing the north side of the river where the springs come in, and the fish were all ganged up there because it was better living than over in 16 below territory. Yeah, uh, yeah, it can be quite a surprise. Or on a snowy day, anybody's coming skiing in Taos, we do a lot of guide trips on the red in with skiers in the winter that wear out huh. their legs, or they actually would have preferred to have gone fishing. Skiing. So, what above the hatchery? We got a lot of water in the Red River. Above it, to Cuesta and then over the Red River. What about all that water? Mediocre. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's affected from the mine, from the Mali mine, which is a massive, it was the second largest molybdenum mine in the world. Mm. The very upper portions of the Red River are a good fishery. And there's quite a few people around Red River. but And then there's some lakes up in that country. There's a, a lake called Middle Fork Lake that some big trout have been coming out of lately. And, that's, and there's another one, Lost Lake and Horseshoe Lake. And those, I think they all have Rio Grande cutouts in them now. And I know the Lost Lake, I went up there and fished it for a day once. And then somebody told me, well, it's an 18-mile round trip, right? I think I fished for an hour. And it was time to leave. But you can backpack up there and fish those lakes. Yeah. That's a peak wilderness. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it looks like the road ends there where the Red River comes, meets the right. east fork of the Red exactly. River. Right. And then it's trail from then on, pretty much, huh? Okay. Yeah. We look peaks to the highest mountain in the state. So it's 13, I don't know, 13.2, something like that. So it changes. So the upper reaches and then the section below the fish hatchery just before the Rio Grande. Right. The two best right. Areas there. Okay. Right. Okay. And, and to be frank, I'm not up on the middle portions, but I would have heard it from the guides <laughs> if it's good, and I haven't heard anything about that. It seems like it should be, but it's probably long-term mining influence that has affected it. 
poorly because the river gets this cast to it. It's called aluminumization, and it gets a kind of a blue-gray look to it, and it's, it's not particularly healthy. Where it, yeah. it loses most of that once it passes the hatchery. Okay. Steve Larson from West Jordan, Utah, he says, hey, this is a huge coincidence. I just arrived in Red River today from Utah, and I need advice to, as to where to fly fish around the Red River area. I only fish with dries, and I brought my Utah dry assortment of caddis, adams, humpies, purple A's, etc. He says, I believe they should work fine. I purchased a five-day non-resident license to plan the fish to Cimarron on my way to Clovis on Saturday. Please give me some specific areas to fish the Red River and the Cimarron. Okay. So we just talked uh, about the well, Red River did. pretty much. Yeah, we did. And I would say the Cimarron is well worth fishing. And it might be well worth testing out the stream access law. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to say any more about it <laughs> because I know landowners um, in that territory. But the Cimarron has a lot of fish. And it's probably got some good insect patches now. And it really should be fished in the morning, late morning. There'll be hatches coming off probably... PMDs are they out about this time of year? It might be a little early, but late morning there should be insect hats. But the fish will eat in there anyway. There's a lot of them. They're not that big, and it's a good choice. And as far as where to fish it, you just look for somewhere you can get in. It's very brushy, so you just look and figure out where you can get in, and then fish up the middle of it. But it has a lot of fish, and they eat tries for sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Well, hopefully it'll help you, Steve. And and you know about the two areas on the Red River we talked about. Right. There you go. Uh, and there's uh, another thing, if I could add one other thing, and that mm-hmm. is the Cimarron comes out of Eagle Nest Lake. Eagle Nest Lake is a – it wasn't last year. The years before, fabulous fishery, just Trout just grow fast in there. And it also has yellow perch and pike. And uh, But the trout fishing can be really good in there. And if you get there early in the morning on a still morning, which they're usually still, and there's a bunch of midges hatching, it's very likely to find fish feeding big fish, 17, 18 inches, in the shallows and eating on those midges. And what we do, I don't know anybody that really fishes for them with midges. You usually want to cover a bunch of fish with some kind of wet, like a woolly booger or a prince net is always good, a double hackle is a good one. And if you're there later in the, around noon, splashes, like vigorous splashes, that's the fish chasing damselflies. And this would be the time for damselflies. So that's when you want to use my fly line damsel or a damsel nymph would work good too. Yeah, I noticed damsels out on my property today up here. I'm about eight feet. Uh-huh. Yeah, damsels are coming off. Yeah, when you talked about that fishing that still water it reminded me of the Caneos. I think it was the Toro Reservoir, which I fished and was super active reservoir for hatches there. And I did really well there one night. I could my partner couldn't pull me off the lake. <laughs> yeah. Come on, we gotta go back and eat. I said no. <laughs> so yeah, it was really a good day up there too. Nice fishing. Yeah, that lake is excellent and it has extremely large browns, like 
15 pounders. And uh, in all the streams around there, the forks of the Conejos are very good. Yeah, that whole country is excellent fishing. Yeah, yeah. As is. Kind of got off track. As is. <laughs> right, right. As is what's it called, Los Pinos Reservoir, which is in between the Conejos and Chama, up on top of the mountains. Pinos is another very good lake fishery. And the river and running in and out of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've just got a few minutes left, but we did want to talk because we've mentioned it more about, you pretty much told us about Castilla Creek and that it's closed at the moment. But why don't you tell us what kind of fishery it is when it is open, because you're hoping it's going to be open maybe next year. And, and what they're trying to accomplish with this revitalization program or whatever they're doing there. Well, they're trying to reinstate 100% genetic Rio Grande cutthroats. And that is a state fish of New Mexico. And, of course, we have two unique trout. We have the Gila trout down here where I live, too. But, you know, it's a gigantic project, and it's a lot. And there's been some blunders. I know, things happen. And let's just hope they get it. But once it opens, that's just a gorgeous stream to fish. And, like I say, it can be fish, but you want to check the flow rates on that. You don't want to be fishing in that. 10 or 15 CFS, you want to wait till the flow rate comes up to 30, 40, something like that would be good. And if I noticed there's a reservoir, so it's a tailwater? Castillo Reservoir is on Turner's Ranch, and yeah. if anybody is going to shoot you, it'll be Ted. But <laughs> you could legally, as far as I can tell, walk up <laughs> along the Castilla and maybe, I don't know, hop over the dam and fish the reservoir. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, but, I, but I know how Ted rolls, and yeah, he'll be the first one to shoot you. Okay, okay. But I hear his aim has fallen off quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, what more can you say about the, uh, in the way of, is it below the dam? Does it turn into like a freestone river, or what is it like? It's, yeah, it's a tailwater. It'll support a huge number of fish. And it's a meadow stream and extremely pretty and about 30 feet wide and with some really good pools and a lot of bend pools. But they're saying, I think, next, not this fall, but the following fall, I think. So I'm not sure. But that can be checked if you check out the fishing report. I just saw the fishing report from Game and Fish Department today. And there's a very long paragraph about the project there that's been up mm. for a long time. So Yeah. Go ahead. There is one fishery that we haven't discussed that I think somebody – I think I saw somebody ask about it, which is the Chama. And yeah, the Chama yeah, I was just going to ask you that, yeah. Right. The Chama is the number two river in New Mexico, and it goes through two reservoirs, and it occupies three chapters in my book. It could really be four, because there's the upper part of the Chama in Colorado, which is a mm -hmm. great fishery, summer fishery, and a beautiful country. And then it comes down into the farm country around Chama, and that's stocked heavy. And if you stay at any of the hotels there, you get to fish there. Stockers would be pretty easy to catch. But there's wild fish there, too, that run up from the reservoir 20 miles below. And then there's other sections of it to fish. And then there's a newly formed, well, no, not newly, maybe three years, 
enough time for the fish to grow larger, catch and release section below El Vado Dam. But that's one, whenever you fish the tailwaters of the chum, you want to be very cognizant of flow rates. You don't want to fish it over 200 CFS, probably around 100 would be good. And, and then the Chama has one other section, which is quite a ways downstream, quite handy from Santa Fe, is below Abiquiu Dam. And that's a winter fishery. I'm sure they're there now, but that's, it's pretty fishy in the middle of winter. So it yeah. sounds like to wrap things up, and there was one question, I don't know where this is coming from, or but uh, this Danny in Albuquerque said, have you caught any lake trout on the Chama? Do lake trout move up or spawn? Or is that, that a joke? That, <laughs> no, that person knows something. They probably oh, know okay. Ron Sedell. They probably know my guide, Ron Sedell. That's all you're saying? And Ron oh. caught like four or five of them a few years ago. And I haven't heard of any more, but there was a mess of them in there. They live in Heron Lake which is adjacent to the Chama. And for them to get into the Chama is quite a feat. They have to, like, I don't know, travel through the plumbing of the dam. But they came out of that lake, no doubt, and got in the Chama River. So, yeah, it can be done. I never caught one in there. I caught them in the Green River in Wyoming, but I never caught a lake trout in New Mexico. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that lake has, they've been caught up to 40 pounds in that in Heron Reservoir. Wow. But I don't think well, on the fly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we need to wrap things up here. But in kind of summary, what I got out of this, and obviously your book is a necessary tool, I think, if you're going to be fishing New Mexico. But from what I'm hearing from you, some of these areas are better in the winter, better in the spring, better in the summer. So, what you really right. need to do is probably check in with the fly shops and, and find out what's going on and what the water flows are, because it sounds pretty confusing, to be quite honest, <laughs> if you don't know what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the good part, too, because that's how you get to have a fly shop with a year-round business. My brother yeah. has a mountain mount angler in Breckenridge, Colorado, and he's very skilled in the fishing business and fishing. And I know that they have some year-round fishing there, too. But in most of the Rockies, that's rare. You get three months. We've got buddies up in Yellowstone. and You don't have a 12 months of the year when you can catch fish, that's for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah, and then, of course, the San Juan, we never mentioned the San Juan. We guide that a lot, too. Right. And uh, we have two permits on the San Juan. And so we usually float that. And the real-life and fly shop both have permits for there. And that certainly is very good in the winter. But, yeah, you're right. You just call up the shop or go in, and they'll tell you what's fishing when. Yeah, but now everything's fishing. Now's the time to be there. Yeah. And it rained quite a bit, right, recently in the last couple of weeks. But it's supposed to ease off. And so the fishing in the next, if anybody's close by, and I know a couple of those people that rode R, it's a good time to fish. Yeah. Could be good. Yeah. yeah, it's been all this week. It's been raining almost every day up here in, in Bailey, Colorado. Not for long, but we're getting those afternoon showers, which is really nice. Yeah, the Rockies needs it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Any rain we can get. Yeah. Indeed. Well, we got to wrap this up, but stick with me because we're going to give away two of your books tonight. And so we'll be doing that in just a moment. Uh, we're also going to be giving away a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Time Journal. 
So stick with us. The books that we'll be giving away of Taylor's are the one we've been talking about all night, Flyfish, Taos, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and beyond, because you cover way beyond that, that general area. And also his book, Instinctive Fly Fishing, which goes into a lot of good techniques and so forth that Taylor's learned over the years. So stick with us a few more minutes, and we'll be giving away those prizes. The Ugly Bug Fly Shop in Casper, Wyoming, has been serving fly fishers in Wyoming and around the world since 1983. Their selection of top-of-the-line gear and a huge assortment of flies is one of the best in the land. All products are available in their fly shop and online. Looking for advice? Just give them a call, and their expert professional staff will help you with whatever you need. Visit the Ugly Bug Fly Shop today at UglyBugFlyShop.com or call them at 866-845-9284. That's uglybugflyshop.com, or call them at 866-845-9284. Just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave the website tonight, please take a minute to give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage in the section under tonight's show. This is what you think of the show. Just click on that link and leave your comments, and we'd really appreciate it. Well, now it's time to give away some prizes, and the... Winners for the drawings tonight are randomly selected from our show's registration database. If you didn't register for tonight's show, it's too late now, but make sure you do so for our next show and because you don't want to miss out on winning next time that we do this. Be sure to register for the next show. The lucky winners will provide you with information after the show on how to receive your prizes. So the first thing we're giving away is the membership to Fly Fishers International. And to learn about FFI, go to flyfishersinternational.org. It is a great, great organization to support, and and I know you'll enjoy becoming a member. We're giving that one away. Let me fire up my database here. And it looks like the winner for that is Ron Fiala in Illinois. So Ron Fiala in Illinois, you just won yourself a membership to Fly Fishers International. So congrats on that. And next, we'll give away a subscription, a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which you can learn more about at amatobooks.com. So check them out at amatobooks.com. And they also have other books and periodicals that I'm sure would be of interest to you. The winner for that looks like Fred Johnson in Arizona. Fred Johnson in Arizona. So congratulations, Fred, and thanks to you, gentlemen, for playing tonight. Now, we're going to give away Taylor's books. Fly Fish, Taos, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I'm adding the beyond <laughs> to that, but that's what you'll look it up as. And we do have a link on our homepage of, of Ask About Fly Fishing to Taylor's book, Fly Fish, Taos, Santa Fe, and also to his other books, Instinctive and so forth. So if you're looking for a source there, you can click on that and buy them if you don't win tonight. You can also pick up Taylor's books at the Taos fly shop, and so that's another place that you can go to get those. And let me think here. So I'm going to ask a question. You need to answer it on that form on our homepage of our website. And let me just clear the queue here so there's no question. Oh, we had more questions coming in. Sorry, everybody, that we didn't get to all these tonight. We were just really going. Okay, so let's see here. Three of the main fisheries that we talked about tonight, and three of the main fisheries, and we'll be, give, we'll be giving away a first and a second place prize tonight. The first place prize will be fly fish, Dallas Santa Fe. The second place prize will be instinctive fly fishing. So 
name three of the main fisheries that we talked about tonight, and we'll see who we get here. Okay, so sometimes it takes a minute here to get the answers. Taylor, you still with me, Taylor? I'm with her. Okay. I'll be the judge, okay? You'll be the judge, okay? The first one is Rio Grande, Cimarron, and Chama. Bingo. Okay, so that's our winner number one is Paula Reef in Atlanta, Georgia. So, Paula, congratulations. You're fast with the fingers. <laughs> Got that one right in there. Let's see. So that's, you'll get the Fly Fish Tile Santa Fe book, Paula. And what you need to do is in that same form, you just answer the question, put in your address and your address. I've got your name. I've got your email address. Just put in your address that you'd like the book shift to and whether or not you would like it autographed or and or what do they call that, Taylor, inscribed or? Personalized. Personalized. Yeah, if you want a message. Yeah. Put in the message like you to like, the, like. To the greatest fly ahead. fisherman. Yeah. Or I, woman. No, this the greatest fly woman. fisherman. Yes. <laughs> like whatever you'd like, Paula, and Taylor will take care of that for you. The other looks like, let me read this one off to you and tell me if this one works. Castilla, Rio Grande, and Chama. There you go. Okay. Larry Edens in Santa Fe. <laughs> oh. I know Larry. Oh, do you? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, Larry, you just got Taylor's book, Instinctive Fly Fishing. Again, same as with Paula, send in your address and then and whether you want it personalized or autographed, and Taylor will take care of you and, and we'll be all good to go. So, Taylor, I'll send that to you after the show and we'll have that all taken care of. Hey, Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show again with me. It was also fun to talk about fishing in New Mexico, and wonderful to browse your book. Makes me want to go down there. I do have friends that own a brewery somewhere down there, and and so there's more than one reason to go down there. Well, there there aren't many. It it must be the Tier C Brewery, I think, is the only one I know of in Truth of Consequence. No, it's out in the middle of, I don't know where it is. I'll let you know later, but they're not in, it's north of, Taos. Oh, in oh, Taos. Yeah, it's up out in the middle of the, nowhere on the middle of the road, and they're doing quite yeah. well. Yeah, I know they uh, are. It's a very successful place, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, good, good. Anyway, thanks so much for being on the show and, and sharing your knowledge and experience with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Roger. It was my pleasure. I'm stuck here on the edge of the hill, and it gets kind of lonely, so it was nice job. <laughs> good, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, hopefully everyone has found our podcast archive on our website. If you haven't, just look for the link on the top line menu. The first option is you can search uh, by keywords and find shows on just about anything. We've done over 350 shows so far. And then there are also categories there that you can look in by rivers and lakes and, and different areas and techniques and find out, find shows that way. So check it out. You'll have a lot of fun exploring and spending time listening to 
in the podcast that we've recorded over the years. Our next broadcast will be on July 20th, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And on that show, I'm going to interview Katie Johnstone, and our topic for the show will be Ohio Women on the Fly. Katie started fly fishing just five years ago. Her passion for the sport has been insatiable. Katie's journey from newbie fly fisher to local TU chapter board member to founder of Ohio Women on the Fly, and now a professional guide, has been fast and furious. So join us to hear how Katie's journey took place and the challenges she faced as a woman in the fly fishing industry. So be sure to join us at the upcoming show, and you can just add it to your calendar on our homepage. Right below Katie's picture is an add to calendar link. Add it to your calendar, and then you'll know that you'll be there for the live show. We'd also like to thank Fly Fishers International, a lot of books, These Fairy Anglers, Ugly Bug Fly Shop for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website, askaboutflyfishing.com, and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.